This is the Sandman on TV Podcast Industries, and we're discussing the Sandman Chapter 2 in Perfect Hosts. Will you ever keep anything for yourself? No. Not even dreams, tools? Uh, he's gonna want them. And I'm guessing that you do too. The tools, they won't work for me. They're made of the same stuff I am. So, why are you here? I'm gonna see if we can help each other. I can show you how to use them. <laughs> use them to do what? Make him go away for good this time. You want me to kill the King of Dreams? You can do it. I know you can. You just have to listen and trust me. <laughs> then I'm afraid we're both dead. Because I don't have them. Welcome back, fellow dreamers. This is TV Podcast Industries, and we are talking about the Sandman Chapter 2, Imperfect Hosts. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of your other imperfect hosts, Derek. Yawn. I couldn't actually yawn, and I wanted to open with a yawn, so I just went, yawn. I am Chris. Yes. Oh, is that saying something about your thoughts on this episode, Chris? No, no, not at all. Okay, okay excellent. Dreamers, yawning, mm-hmm. thought it would be a nice one, but I just didn't have a yawn in the, the can for this recording, so I just thought I'd uh, at least be a bit more descriptive and narrative. <laughs> if you excellent stuff. Yes, fellow dreamers, we are your podcasting fates here for the Sandman. Um, who's going to take the crone? Not me, oh, Bagsy. Well, Bagsy, not on. me. Um, as the eldest, so I'm most likely the crone, really, of all three of us, aren't I? <laughs> guess, Chris, you're, that makes you the maiden? Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm the mother. Yeah. Excellent. I haven't been a maiden for a while. <laughs> <laughs> not since last Christmas. <laughs> but yes, it is... Yeah, it's kind of Spice Girls-y when three become one, well, I guess. Yeah. Uh, where a, 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 a toi becomes uno, I guess. That's a very I'm different Spice Girls song. It certainly if, is. If it's about a threesome. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> uh, but yes, welcome back, fellow dreamers, to our spoiler-filled discussion mm-hmm. of Sandman Episode 2, Imperfect Hosts. If you're joining us for the Sandman series, of course, please head on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com where you can subscribe to the podcast on any dreamy or nightmarish podcast catcher of Mm -hmm. your choice. And of course, any thoughts, theories, comments or discussion points that you want to raise, please send them in for our feedback section to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Absolutely, yeah. We really want to hear your thoughts about this series. We're recording a little bit in advance uh, for the, for these first couple of episodes, and we want to say a huge thank you to um, our wonderful fellow dreamers for joining us uh, for the podcast. Don't know how you're watching it, whether you're binging every episode, whether you're watching an episode and then listen to the podcast, but uh, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on TV Podcast Industries uh, for the show. Yes, uh, but Derek, let's uh, start this off. Can you give us the who, what, where, why, when, but if maybe sort of the main people involved in the show john 
Yes. Yes. No That's problem. No exactly problem. what I mean. <laughs> the executive producers of the show are Alan Heinberg, Neil Gaiman, and David S. Goyer. Uh, showrunner for this show is Alan Heinberg. And um, this is based on the DC comic series, The Sandman by Neil Gaiman, Sam Keith, and Mike Dringenberg. Uh, and this episode was directed by Jamie Giles, who directs episode two, three, four, and five of this series. So, Ooh, uh, Jamie heavily getting involved a run in this part. I yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the episode was written by showrunner uh, Alan Heinberg as well. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so his stamp on the series right here. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for Sandman Chapter 2, Imperfect Hosts? Sure. After his hundred years of imprisonment, Morpheus finally returns to his realm. But his realm is in disarray, his dreams and nightmares have gone, and only his loyal servant, Lucienne, remains. To rebuild, he must recover the power of his helm, pouch, and ruby to restore his kingdom. Morpheus must contact the Fates, the Maiden, the Mother, and the Crone to gather the information he needs to find his tools, but his imprisonment has left him weak, and he doesn't even have the power to do that. Morpheus must make a sacrifice of one of his creations to contact them, and he heads to the houses of mysteries and secrets where Cain and Abel reside in order to sacrifice the life of Gregory the Gargoyle. As Dream leaves, to contact the Fates... Cain murders Abel again. Meanwhile, the Corinthian pays a visit to Ethel Cripps, the last known holder of all of Morpheus's tools. He attempts to convince her to use the tools to destroy the Lord of Dreams, to keep himself in the waking world. But Ethel explains that she no longer has any of the tools. Corinthian decides to force an unhelpful Ethel to reveal her knowledge by taking her eyes, but unknown to Corinthian, she has a trick up her sleeve, using the Amulet of Protection to escape his threats. Following her narrow escape and knowing Dream is loose in the world, Ethel makes an urgent visit to her son, John D, in his secure hospital to let him know that they have been discovered. With the small amount of power gained from Gregory, Morpheus travels to meet the fates and gathers some clues to the whereabouts of his tools. He once again leaves his realm, ignoring Lucian's request to take a raven protector with him to find Joanna Constantine and his pouch of sand. So truly off on his journey now, Morpheus. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, like, I think so. I, I like that he's already leaving the, the realm of dreams after being away for a hundred years, but there's lots of reasons. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he gave it a go. He tried to rebuild it, but just didn't have the power. Quite, yeah. I really like that, mm -hmm. um, for sure. Um, but... Absolutely. Shall we get into our top moments mm -hmm. from the episode? So, speaking of which, yeah. top moment one, destroyed realm of dreams. Mm. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's just talk about this opening moment because it is to kind of confirm, I suppose, how much Morpheus's power has dwindled. He can't even restore his own castle, his primary uh, location within the land of the Dreaming. He tr tries to restore the stained glass windows, tries to restore them all, but doesn't even have the power to do that. When uh, when discussing it with, with Lucienne, she says that over time, the entirety of the realm has fallen apart. Um, for a while, she was able to keep a diary of what was going on, everything that had changed from the point that Morpheus had been captured and left. But even her diary that she was keeping the whole time has ended off being blank pages. The entire library itself has lost all of the uh, the knowledge that's been accumulated over the millennia that uh, that the dream realm has been around. So um, I thought that was a really interesting uh, piece of the discussion. Um, Lucienne is the librarian of the realm of dreams and she's a librarian without a library and still stayed uh, because she had faith in the master of the realm 
Yeah, this for me was the fun part of kind of having Lucian as our kind of, if you want it, the explainer. Mm-hmm. But that's not, it, it, it's probably a, a terrible way of describe the guide. Yes. The guide to the, the dream realm for the, the, the viewer, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah. Um, the, the narrative exposition, <laughs> because it's not as bad as some of the previous cliche basil exposition where the the role of this character is only to mm. provide exposition to an un, the the unknown audience or the, the the fourth wall and that's not what lucian is doing in this mm-hmm. um it's being delivered in such a way that it's reminding dream yes. of his role and his responsibilities and his the need for dream to be the realm of dream to yeah. be rebuilt yes um, and I liked the way it was delivered. I think mm-hmm. that was like, it could have come across very cliche. And I think that's, that was when they first, I think it was the second time they did it. I was like, Oh, you're verging. You're verging in a way here that could be that mm-hmm. in that it was like, Oh no, but you can't go because that nightmare over there is going to escape. If you don't quickly run over here with me and we're going to fix this nightmare. Oh no, over right. there. Look, this, this, uh, the the field of fishy dreams is like falling. Bah. Um, I would like to see what fish dream. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming it's just plankton. <laughs> Possibly. So, mm. Possibly. But um, they fall anyway. asleep. I'm not sure whether fish fall asleep when they drown if they fall asleep. No, they keep it depends. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I'm I, I'm not qualified. Yes, to talk let's about not that. get into that um, discussion about the biology uh, of fish. I guess. Yeah, yeah, but you're but you're totally <laughs> right that um, Lucienne is uh, is kind of telling this story, this tale in a way that doesn't feel like exposition heavy. I also like that you get a bit more of her character. She is willing to challenge the Lord. Yes. She is willing yeah. to tell Morpheus, you know, what 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 to do and give him guidance and try and stop him when she when he's doing things that she wouldn't agree with so uh, so i do like her position here in uh, in the land of the dreaming it's quite cool well that's it i mean you know you really get the sense here she is this loyal and um, perfect kind of sidekick to mm. to morpheus in that as you say she will challenge him but she is the only one that stayed here really in in his realm and um, at least that we know of but and and, i mean it's just the nice contrast you know we saw from episode one this fantastic realm full of life Mm -hmm. um and everything going on and here it's just decayed crumbled and we we see the toll that um his imprisonment has, has had on him uh in in the sense of you know he cannot rebuild this he is powered down because you know, it, it probably explains the reasons why the the nightmares and and the dreams can't just be called back yeah. by him. You know, he needs his accessories. You know, <laughs> to, to power up effectively yeah. his yeah. sigils of power. Uh, yes, is what exactly. The, what the three items are called. Yeah, um, there are actually three other residents residents of uh, the la- the realm of dreams, which is our second point. We've got Cain, Abel, and the wonderful Gregory the Gargoyle, uh, who are still residing in the land of dreams. That's true. Mm. But, I mean, it seemed like they were in the real world. I don't know. I didn't really associate it with that realm. But, right. yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so they are still there as well. They are, yes. They're the owners of the House of Mysteries and the House of Secrets, uh, Cain and Abel. Um, probably very well-known mythical characters, Cain and Abel, right? Uh, so they are the uh, the children of Adam and Eve, 
uh, and the first murderer, the first victim. So uh, Cain constantly murdering Abel. I love how they've been introduced here because we do see that very quickly. Uh, already borne out, I think there's two murders in this episode uh, as Cain oh, uh, yeah. murders Abel twice, definitely. Yes. Yeah. It's a hot poker to the face yep. and it's a pitchfork to the stomach. So, uh, yep. yeah, good stuff, Cain. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I love the the Cain and Abel from the stories, or for, from the stories from the comics, which are also stories. But back the non mythology mythological mm-hmm. stories, they're a fun duo throughout the, the the comic books, and even in this, you see that kind of back and forth, mm-hmm. and the the forlorn of um, Abel just being. I just want to live with my brother. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. In the sweet English accent. Yeah. Um, Abel Abel's a really nice character, actually. I, yeah. I, I like the idea that he's just trying to make his brother happy. It doesn't really hurt him too much to be murdered yeah. every day and come back to life. <laughs> you know? Well, I like that he says, I'm glad you only gave me a, a shallow burial uh-huh. uh, so he could get out. <laughs> there wasn't too much soil on top of him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that was really good. Yeah. They're, they're really, really good uh, characters here. And a really interesting little um, interview with with Neil Gaiman because this this world of the Sandman is populated with different DC characters mm-hmm. and that Cain and Abel um he he lifted from uh Alan Moore's Swamp Thing That's where right, yeah. he used them and yeah I I mean I understand they are fan favorites mm-hmm. I guess that tic tac of murder uh resurrection and yeah. so on but also then you know the Gregory the gargoyle I, I really enjoyed this idea that gargoyles were created by by dream and um, seemingly Cain and Abel's you know loving pet mm-hmm. uh because you know we do get a sense here certainly from from Cain Abel seems a bit more philosophical that it's something that dream has to do but Cain's quite annoyed that mm-hmm. effectively because Gregory is um this creation of of dream that he needs to then reabsorb that power back it just to give him that extra bit of fuel so that he can contact the fates so yeah. i thought that was kind of an interesting dynamic i don't know whether that's something that plays out in in the comics mm. but uh you know just kane taking it a bit harder really yeah. than than able although we do have um the the replacement uh, for for Gregory uh, come in as well. Well, you're you're asking whether it's uh, whether it's in the comics or not. Kane is the aggressor always. He's more angry about everything well, that's in the true. world because he is the first murderer. He is always wound up by whatever happens. It could just be a a, a strange look that Abel gives him. He gets murdered, so he is always much more aggressive and less uh, and less thoughtful. But it is the loss of their pet. He's lived there with them um, forever. I think uh, Morpheus says that originally Gregory was created as a nightmare, but then moved over into the land of dreams. So, um, yeah. so he's he's a much more fun, nice character. And yes, they do have the sacrifice of Gregory here, which is uh, which is really sad. They do play play it as him being a pet. He's playing with a ball and trying to yeah. have fun with his masters, but. He still gets the choice from Morpheus as to whether he will give himself up, whether he will sacrifice himself um, for the greater purpose, effectively, or whether he will uh, he will stay alive and, and continue to be a pet of Cain and Abel. And I believe that 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 is 
a decision given to Gregory. We don't hear it, obviously, because Gregory doesn't speak, but you believe that that is actually a decision given. He could have made the choice to say no, but of course was willing to sacrifice himself for yeah. Morpheus. And the, I'll call out two things. One is this, the House of Mysteries, House of Secrets is an Easter egg as well from the comic books from Constantine. Um, that's the, the house that the, he actually gets later as part of Justice League Dark. That's okay. their headquarters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, which is nice. Just a nice. Obviously, this is where it came from. Yes, exactly. No, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Kane, um, Kane has the House of Mysteries and Abel has the House of Secrets, I think. Yeah. Uh, it it's, might be the other way around, but both have tea and biscuits. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, but then, as you talk about the, the choice that they, they give Gregory, mm-hmm. I'll call out the, 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 the CGI mm-hmm. here. It, the eyes, they focused incredibly on the eyes. Yeah. Just for this one scene. And I understand why, because that's where you're focused in on. And they've able to emote on a character, on a gargoyle, mm-hmm. this, sacrifice and understanding for a a, a a liege for example I suppose the best way of putting it your lord of the realm has come and asked you for sacrifice mm-hmm. um, and I didn't think they could because there's very few CGI characters at that level where you can kind of that that's non-verbal let me mm-hmm. put that yeah. CGI characters that are non-verbal that you can get a level of empathy with. Yeah. So they obviously just know, okay, well, look, we're not going to be able to do like DreamWorks level or Pixar level Mm -hmm. for the whole episode. So let's just focus in on this quick 15 second scene to really kind of hammer home that that, that this is a a tough choice even for the gargoyle, but it's going to be okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I really, and I really like the way he kind of, you know, uh, dusted, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that was just the, the only thing with the dusting. Like, I really, really liked it. I was just like, mm-hmm. it would have been really cool. Cause I, when I think of gargoyles, I think of, you know, the gargoyles on cathedrals mm-hmm. or Oxford colleges, that kind of thing. And, uh, that he would have kind of turned to stone mm-hmm. like one of those yeah. and then dusted or something like that. But yeah. it, it was really, really good. And I think, yeah, like you say, Chris, you know, that expression from the eyes mm-hmm. uh, and just the the body movements of Gregory done really well here, given that he is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, really enjoyed uh, sort of the emotion of all of that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You got a real sense it was a struggle, um, yeah. and you have Gregory giving himself willingly. Mm-hmm. The you know the, the the kind of protests from Cain and a bit from Abel as well, but also you know you see even in Morpheus's eyes that this is not something he's doing lightly. Well, exactly, know? exactly, and and you know that's the he does at least bring a replacement as well. He does no. bring an egg to them later on, and we don't we don't go a whole episode, I guess, with just that death of Gregory hanging over us. We yeah. have Goldie or Irving um, <laughs> coming back, or Gerving, as uh, as Abel wants to call him, um, coming back later on in the episode. And I like the two reactions again to to mention Kane's um, more aggressive reaction that <laughs> uh, that the reason why Morpheus is doing this is because. Um, He's trying to rub it, rub salt in the wounds for them, whereas Abel realizing actually Morpheus is just as regretful of having to sacrifice um, 
Gregory that uh, as they are so yeah. he's bringing them a replacement almost but uh, mm. but this is I guess our uh, our Grogu or baby Yoda for uh, for Sandman right um having <laughs> having Goldie sitting on the shoulder of Abel and having that kind of interaction between the two of them yeah. uh, which we don't understand of course but uh, a very cute little uh, little gargoyle there yeah I, I I thought that was really just touching that you know Morpheus replaces uh, Gregory here mm-hmm. you know um, I thought that was really nicely done yeah yeah and the reason for the sacrifice of course is to get a little bit of power so that he's able to communicate with the faith so he's able to get in contact with the faith which is our point number three the exactly riddles, riddles of the fates yeah. yes the riddles of the fates mm-hmm. um well i really enjoyed this actually i, I mean certainly just from the the start of it you know the, there's multiple names for the fates mm-hmm. it, there's the three in one or the one in three yep. um the past the present and the future uh-huh. um but the other thing i thought was quite interesting the the lead up to this was you know i think i don't know whether it was lucian now or whether it was the fates asking when he he got the Mm -hmm. you know what about asking your siblings like destiny and desire and i think you know real important things coming out of that that you know they have been known to dabble outside of their own realms in other people's realms uh, which I thought was kind of interesting, you know, whether that's for good or for mischief. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also just, you know, it's noted that they didn't come to, to Dream's aid at all whilst he was imprisoned. Yes. And there yeah. was no help forthcoming. Not even one of them helped him. Yes. yes. Not, not the so, closest one's not the furthest you know, away from nobody helped uh, Morpheus at all. Significance mm-hmm. here um, to the story um, yeah. here. So I, that I really, really uh, kind of enjoyed. I mm-hmm. think the, the other side of this that I really loved was we see Morpheus having to get three items mm-hmm. here in order to, to get to see the fates. We have the crossroads from a Vietnamese dream mm-hmm. where it's the place where they will meet. We have the gallows that is um, surrender and sacrifice for the greater good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a a gift, which is uh, the serpent, which is a symbol of, of transformation. So he yes. has to go this. I mean, I actually, I love the way he captures the serpent in his uh, trench coat. Mm-hmm. Really cool little move there from... Um, from Morpheus. So that was really cool. Absolutely. But also um, the idea that they bring in here is how big in scale or scope this show can be because you're talking about dreams. So the idea of having Morpheus's hand coming out of the sky to grab the crossroads out of somebody else's dream so he can meet the fates at that crossroads. I think that's really cool just seeing that gigantic hand yeah. coming in and grabbing that out. That was really cool. Uh, and also the reason for the gift um, of, this, of the serpent is that it's uh, life, death, rebirth. So we've got the maiden mother crone. So again, a symbol of three uh, going to, to be given to them so he can uh, so he can have the conversation and they can give him an answer to each of his questions. Uh, yeah. So we have the fates here. We do. But yeah. I, just before we get Sorry. onto the fates themselves, I absolutely loved... Morpheus and Lucian on the pier, on the jetty, just mm-hmm. with his ocean or sea of dreams, effectively. This mm-hmm. uh, fluid of, of nightmares and dreams. And I loved how that kind of played out. And yes. the whole um, thing with his reflection mm-hmm. in the water. Oh, I knew that was coming. It was just so cool. And then how you kind of, you know, 
sort of Moses-like with the Red Sea that it, it parts yeah. to allow him to walk to um, to see the fates. I, I just really enjoyed that concept of you know, somewhere in his realm there is this vast ocean um, yeah. of, of dreams and so on, which, you know, again... Because he's been away, there's the little nod, say, they're a little bit out of control in that they don't recognize their own master anymore, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. I thought was cool. Yeah, yeah, no, the, the Sea of Dreams was cool. I was expecting a bit more Ditko, if you oh. think, almost in that, sorry, and by Ditko, I mean Steve Ditko, the, the Marvel uh, kind of artist and kind of colorist um, in the, in that I, it was a bit more, when I envisioned the Sea of Dreams, it was a bit more color. It mm. was a bit more kind of high on LSD and <laughs> multi kind of all the colors of the rainbow. Yeah. Which it could be in the future. Yes. I think it's just that there's been no Master of Dreams. It's he calls out the turmoil, the the the, the waves and the, the the everything is just rushing and pit, yeah. like it's not in control. And that they don't respond to him, yeah. absolutely. And before yeah. anybody says anything, we know Steve Ditko was not involved in Sandman at all. Yes, just, 100%. Uh, just, yes, he is, is uh, well known in Marvel circles as being someone that has those kind of crazy concepts for, for some of his artwork. But I think you're right, Chris. I think this is just because he's going back in. It, 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 it's this fluid sea, but not responding to his master. So it will look very different uh, in the future, as the entire realm of dreams will if he... If he gets it back. Yes. 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 <laughs> Let's talk about the fates then. Uh, and some other very interesting characters from, uh, from the Sandman comics, of course. Um, the representation of them here as three who speak, uh, alternating lines, but all very distinct personalities, I feel. I think they've done a really great job of casting these three actresses in, in the roles here as being completely different from each other and delivering, uh, the, and having this conversation with different voices, I suppose. Um, yeah. and, Again, as as the fates have been around in many many mythological stories, I also love that there's a bit of uh, there's a bit of, there's something scary about them as well. There's a little bit of threat about them. Um, when Lucian says to Morpheus, for example, they don't always give you what you want, um, and hardly ever what you need. Uh, I thought that was quite an interesting introduction to them. And Dream has an opportunity to ask a question of each of them and get one answer and one answer only from the three of them, which I think I really like because it comes across as really frustrating. Um, it must be really difficult when you ask a question, then you go, oh, I didn't phrase that exactly <laughs> yeah. the way I wanted to. <laughs> Could you tell me the exact answer? Nope, you've had your question of me. Ask another. <laughs> they, they, you're speaking of the, 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 the scariness, they do overlay something else every time they scream and yell at him there's just a a, a blinking you'll miss it kind of flash of skulls or bared teeth or they just transform them into something Hmm. kind of nightmare fuel-esque yeah and and even merging the three faces together at times yes and uh, and having that it's a great image from the comic book where you have uh, one in the center and two on either side uh, of the faces of the fates yeah that's really cool um, I, I, I loved this. I, I loved the, the whole piece of it. I, it was just, again, you're right about the actresses or the actors who have been, who are portraying the, the fates. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I should, I should call out every, every actor I've seen so far has been perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, not with my total headcanon castings, 
But when you, and I think that this is what they you get when you have the original creator of a show or a book or a comic book or whatever mm-hmm. involved, because he's able to translate what was in his head and go, yeah, that, that person can deliver X or Y. So when you see these three actresses who I'm like not what I would have kind of gone for. Like you think the maiden is the 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 long blonde hair, kind of busty bosomed, kind of like old school medieval damsel in distress. Mm. Like uh, that was the how it's always kind of to a degree been portrayed, or the 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 life, um, one of the 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 kind of Roman virgins lying on a kind of couch it's always been the 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 maiden has been the the very young girl the crone has been the old age withered Mm -hmm. like touch her and she'll fall over and break granny of death right visions of death so how they've gone and portrayed all of these is not as far in the extremes as well but when merged together and perfectly delivering their own sections of the lines mm-hmm. that you said it best they each have a distinct personality mm-hmm. as the past present and future yeah um and that's again just i wasn't expecting this when they've gone and it's like even lucien i wasn't expecting the librarian to be that but when I've seen it now, two episodes in, I'm just shocked and awed by how well that, or not even how well, excuse me, because that sounds derogatory, but how fantastically it is all coming together yeah. within just like, what? Like, yeah. it's not even 60, it's not even an hour and 20. Yeah. It's like under an hour and 10 at the moment, probably for these. Mm-hmm. And it's still. It's surpassing what I expected. Yes. And it's even, and I know it sounds yeah. silly when you start talking about the, the fates. Yeah. But it is that expression because it is, you expect something and then mm-hmm. this, this, it's the directors and it's the creators and everyone coming together going, well, we know you're going to go, you, you're, you're expecting this. So if we give you this, but we give it in such a way that it's portrayed in such yeah. reverence. It's yeah. going to be great. Absolutely. And, you know, there's choices made in the comic book from, from the original artists that, you know, make things stand out in, in one panel. Um, yes. Whereas, obviously, we have, you know, a moving picture show on Netflix, so they have to make different <laughs> they decisions. They made it move. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but they have to make different decisions to make things yeah. uh, connect. And I think part of uh, what's interesting about the casting of the, of the actors in uh, playing the roles here of, of, of the Fates is that they all kind of look a little similar. So you can almost see them as three stages of one person, yeah. um, which is the point, or three completely individual yeah, people, it, which well, works quite it. well. And it shifts between that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was really good. I mean, I, I thought this whole sequence was great, mm-hmm. where just the dialogue of Morpheus asking the questions uh, and mm-hmm. then being admonished for going a stage too far. Yeah. Because they, they have their thing and that's it. One question for yeah. each of them and, and one answer. I really like that. I loved how it moved from having all three to kind of just the single uh, respondent to the question. Mm-hmm. There. And as you say, it was uh, sometimes looking the same and sometimes then the the distinct actor the and yeah. character be, uh, 
playing the the face and i really enjoyed the sequence again another really fantastic way of just getting the information around then the tools and where they've gone and, yep. and the answers to those absolutely so they do give answers but again some somewhat vague um so uh joanna constantine has purchased the leather pouch pouch at some point in the past uh ethel cripps traded the helm to a demon for the protection stone which we see her using uh later on and then we hear the ruby has was given from mother to son but no detail behind who that is what that is well exactly and but even with ethel cripps Mm -hmm. uh and the helm that is not meant ethel cripps isn't kind of identified by the by the fates it's just saying a person in new york has Mm -hmm. traded it uh to a demon so you know it's all a bit kind of vague um, and there's still investigation that needs to be done i mean the most specific one at least in terms of identifying a person is that they they talk of joanna constantine Mm -hmm. and and the leather pouch although the question as you say is then well does she still have it so Mm -hmm. that's the unknown bit there and also the interesting um point that comes from morpheus is that he knows a joanna constantine from his past or knew someone 300 years ago someone 300 years ago so Mm -hmm. um that's kind of interesting to see how that comes along because for episode three, um, I, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. well, we kind of know he's, you know, he's, he's on his way to, to, to meet her. So yeah. he's a man with a mission. He yes. Yes. This, this is. is giving him his clues for where he needs to go. And we'll call it out here. It's depending on where, where, when you grew up and what you listen to. It's Constantine or Constantine. It's ne- it's always going to be one or the other, and it's probably this podcast is going to go through four iterations of it. Well, yes, yes, it was uh, it was mispronounced um, when Keanu Reeves made his movie. Uh, <laughs> yes, constant. Teen, um, and I know there was a lot of frustration <laughs> amongst fans of Hellblazer and uh, where that character comes from, and fans of Sandman, where uh, Constantine has has uh, has overtaken the pronunciation that was originally there of, of Constantine. So we're going to try really hard to stick with the Sandman's uh, pr- uh, pronunciation of Constantine, but we may say it the wrong way as well. <laughs> but we're not going to be religious on the matter. We're going to try that. Too. No. Yes. No, 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 not at all. But I just wanted to call it out before we someone before started we mess it up. as the yeah. the four ways through. Someone's gonna go. I was furiously typing, going. My feedback is this show is amazing, but my god, you need to learn pronunciation. <laughs> it's okay. Exactly, but I suppose armed with uh, this knowledge, this does send um, Morpheus off on his next mission. So um, our our fourth point, really, just to quickly talk about it, Morpheus going off to London to meet uh, Joanna Constantine is how the episode ends. Uh, we see Morpheus uh, leaving to go off and uh, on his new mission. But I just wanted to talk about this a little bit because uh, it's Lucienne pleading with him to take a new raven to replace the one that was murdered by uh, by Alex Burgess. Uh, Jessime was his last raven. Yes. Uh, it, it, I just think it's really uh, something to hear, something to nail here, because Lucienne has been holding up the realm of the dreaming on her own almost for this hundred years. And once again, Morpheus is going, right, I have a mission, I need to leave. Um, you know, so she's terrified that it's going to happen again. She's waited yeah. around for him. She's just got him back. And now he's going off on another mission, leaving her behind uh, to keep some kind of control over it. So he hasn't actually done anything to restore the realm of dreams. Nothing more that he's done other than saying he's back, he's alive. So 
will it just continue to decay if he's stuck out in the world for another hundred years? Will it continue to fall apart and continue to decay? And you can really see that in Lucienne that she's really worried about it, but she can't stop him. He is the master. He is the Lord of, of the realm. So all she can do is recommend that potentially he takes another raven with him uh, to yeah. at least monitor and report yeah. back to her. Yeah. It's essentially, it's the, it's the kid whose dad went out for cigarettes like four years ago and mm-hmm. actually did come back. But then every time that kid, the dad goes out for shop, the kid thinks the, kid, the dad's yeah. going to disappear. It, 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 yeah. It's yeah. like, uh, or, or maybe, it, yeah, it, it's like the household dog, you know, the pet. Oh, my God, you're going. Just, oh, my God, yeah, you're going. Exactly, you know, um, where it's just the, the anxiety and panic mm-hmm. um, of the dog that he's on his own in the house uh, with only... Um, the destruction of that house to to keep him entertained <laughs> and to vent the frustration. I right, guess. right. So um, Lucia might start throwing around. So she <laughs> might destroy uh, the 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 realm of dreams even more. Right. Uh, I guess. But I, plot twist: there was never any. Yeah, it, was it wasn't just disintegrating. Yeah. She was just really pissed and slowly she was working really her way across. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. But yeah, really good to um, you know meet the fates and, and see then this um the, you know i guess the 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 first um story uh of of how he of how morpheus recovers um yes. his his tools in yes. order to power up really looking uh, forward to that definitely and, uh, and jenna coleman uh plays the character of joanna constantine we're really looking forward to seeing her yeah. in the show i love jenna coleman she was fantastic in doctor who when she was uh, on that show she had some fantastic episodes huge doctor who fan uh, and also she did uh that excellent drama the serpent so um the two uh, good recommendations for other Jenna Coleman work. I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing her here. Yeah, she was she was really good in that. So I'm really looking forward to see Jenna Coleman play Joanna Constantine uh, there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let us move on to our fifth and final moment of the episode because mm-hmm. running along in parallel with uh, Dreams shenanigans <laughs> is uh, the Corinthian. Mm. And uh, in particular, we see him visiting uh, and finding... Uh, a lady that we saw in the first episode, Ethel Cripps, mm. and you know, having uh, heard the fates th- through all these sequences that they have uh, together in her New York uh, apartment in Buffalo, uh, you, you you know, you then begin to understand that it was um, Ethel that gave the ruby from mother to son, uh, as we see, and also traded the helm uh, to a demon from hell Mm -hmm. uh, for uh, a really cool amulet that she uses to great effect in here. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think this interaction between Corinthian uh, and her was just kind of really just great. I mean, the Corinthian is so creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just what held within this whole discussion. I loved it. Um, even just the flirtiness. It is that moment where, like, are you flirting with me? Mm-hmm. And, uh, Ethel says, Oh, you're supernatural and sexist. Uh-huh. You really are a nightmare. And I thought that <laughs> what a fantastic line that Ethel has there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in a sense, you know, she has gotten rid of the the tools uh, mm. long ago. She's not. She doesn't know exactly where they are, but she 
I like the fact that she is holding back, whether that's to give us some cred if Morpheus ever catches up with her, mm. or um, it's just simply she just doesn't like the Corinthian. Um, I really kind of like that because it added to that tension. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, uh, you know, we get to see the gnashing eyes again. And I, you caught the teeth better in this episode. Yes. I really saw his sort of... I, I, you know, you, you saw the dental work there on show uh, <laughs> a, a, much better, yes. but it's. I think it's because it's closer in, mm-hmm. um, and he's having a proper conversation, so you can see the uh, the teeth in his eyes move as he's talking as well. So these are other mouths that he has, yeah. not just teeth in the eyes. Uh, it's actually uh, three mouths that that this guy yeah. has. So I thought that was realised um, better mm-hmm. this time. Yeah, it was just a flash of it in the first episode. This time uh, feels like you got the full version of the scary corinthian here yeah and i mean you know ultimately the corinthian is there because he's out morpheus he wants to ensure that his um his presence in reality is maintained and you know he wants to sort of uh Control, destroy morpheus so that he has free reign and stay in the waking world exactly Quickly, just asking, do, for, is this for a friend? Can I dial one in? <laughs> um, the nice. the actual teeth delivery. Mm-hmm. What do we think? I in the comic books, it looked despicable and nightmare fuel. Mm-hmm. And just here now, the actor, the portrayal, the the delivery of the lines, everything there is top notch. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, for me, the, the, the teeth eyes are landing because I just, they don't look, maybe if they had to sharpen them to points or something <laughs> or made them a bit more evil looking, but okay. they just, they, they don't look like <laughs> evil eye teeth for me. They just look like really small mouths, baby yeah. mouths. <laughs> um, <laughs> If that makes sense. So they they needed British teeth then. Uh, British dental work. Essentially, yeah. Or like really like slack jaw yokel, (laughs) middle of America, like meth head teeth or kind of like. (laughs) Sort of yellow stained, slightly chipped or pointed, a a little bit decayed. Yeah, maybe. Interesting. I suppose because obviously, same as yourself, Chris, I haven't read the comic books and I knew it was coming. But in my mind, I thought they introduced it quite well because... It's more, what am I looking at when he takes the glasses off? To me, yeah. I think they, they laid it up that way. It's like, hang on a second. Has that guy got mouths in his eyes? And then they start moving while he's talking. <laughs> but it's coupling it with him taking out his dagger, this really pointed, sharp dagger, and going, I don't even need you to talk to Ethel Cripps. I don't even need you to tell me where these things are. So you know he's about to do his signature move, take her eyes and take her experience effectively. So I think all of that coupled together make him – uh, a, a scary character. I'm not sure whether just the the uh, the teeth in his eyes alone yeah. is enough, um, because that's probably what makes Corinthians so creepy as a character. Is because he is willing to do all this stuff. He's not just your average murderer on the street. He's a nightmare come to life. So the fact that he is willing to threaten her and go, this whole conversation is actually pointless. I can just take your eyes, but I was willing to work with you. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, I think all of that coupled together make it scary. I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sold on if he was just a poster seeing his eyes that that would be scary in in and of itself. Yeah. 
I, I yeah, exactly. I as I say, I'm in agreement. It's the delivery, the package makes it the scary point. Yeah. I just think we just need to like bring him to the dentist, fall down the teeth <laughs> into some points, and then he's like, he's nightmare plus one. That's yeah, all. I we just want we want to up level the nightmare. But I think it's better realized in in this one uh, in yes. this episode mm-hmm. because, and I think it's. To, just being closer to his face in in the delivery and at that moment in the scene and um, because you know as i say the the first episode i just thought you had like silvery glittery eyeliner mm-hmm. on um, and i was like you go all. girl you know yes you go. we should say um because we're watching previews of the of the show for netflix uh we they are marked as work in progress uh, on the episodes that we're watching so just in case there is some changes to the yes. cgi in the final Sorry. versions that's um, true just conscious that we may be seeing things that might be slightly tweaked uh, by final release because the episodes were released for a review a couple of weeks ago and there's still some work being done on the on the show so uh, just conscious that if we over push it that the cgi is bad or that we didn't like it that there might actually be final changes made yeah. on, on tweaks we, on the final i, I so would love it if one of the sets of eye mouths um had braces on because he was getting that you know i mean because that's pretty scary as well because uh-huh. the pain of when they're taken off but like uh that, that would have been quite good you know <laughs> or one being really pretty and sort of well cared for the other kind of all right just horrendously <laughs> sort of gnarly you know and and so on um, but uh, once again in the history of tv podcast industries i'm glad we do not write tv shows really yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the point of this whole uh interaction between corinthian and ethel crips is because Corinthians trying to convince her to use the tools to take out the, kill, the king of dreams to yes. kill him, take him out, allow Corinthian and maybe other nightmares like himself to continue uh, walking the earth. So uh, I like I like that idea that he's pushing her uh, in that way to use these tools, and she has um, already created a protection for herself. She traded in the helm for this uh, amulet of protection, which allows her to block him when he pushes too far. So as I said, this threat to her of I'm going to take your eyes. I don't even need you to talk to me. And she's going, you're going to really regret this, which she does. Because it is wiped out of the waking world. Yeah, I I loved that whole visual of him effectively Mm -hmm. almost kind of becoming, like splitting apart and becoming liquid. It's like he's being Uh, turned inside out. Yeah, it was really... It was really nicely done, and uh, I really enjoyed that. And I was... Again, it's just because, you know... Ethel is... I mean, we, we got a sense of it anyway, where, you know, when Corinthian comes in, mm-hmm. um, first off, you know, he says, you've done a good job of convincing people you don't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, she's done a really, like, good job of keeping that low profile, mm-hmm. of making sure that even though she's traded these powerful tools from Morpheus, she's gotten something in return for at least one of them um, that is equally as powerful for for the protection of herself mm-hmm. uh so I, I really i just really like this from ethel it showed her smarts uh, and so on absolutely and she's clearly had to deal with this kind of stuff before in a, in a way she's she's a very strong character so she already knows she needs protection from uh from certain entities yeah so, i mean even uh, i think I, I don't know uh i haven't read the comics as, as i will probably keep saying uh, throughout <laughs> the, this we'll whole um season but mm. even to the the point where it felt her son john d uh johnny uh was in that high protection medical facility um or, or prison 
as well as a, a, a way of protection for her, um, in some way or, or just wider society. Mm. Like, um, you know, I got that sense yeah. of, of her having to do this thing, um, not yes. out of necessary choice, but of necessity yeah. for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we do hear that, um, he's the one that used the ruby. So we heard that from the fates that. She, the ruby was passed on from mother to son, so that's John D. We get to meet him uh, for a moment uh, in the episode, but we hear in her descriptions from the, to the Corinthian that the ruby grants dreams, but also creates nightmares, and it seems like the uh, ruby overtook John D. It seems to have uh, changed him and made him use it to create nightmares or something like that. That seems to be the the uh, the point of that interaction. But uh, I did like uh, the introduction of John D. I think he's a. Can you just? Pop up there. Exactly yeah. uh, Steve. Always forget David Thulis. Thulis. <laughs> well, is there David Thulis? He was on the yeah, next screen. Is there? I did like the introduction of John D here. I liked uh, having uh, David Thulis playing him. That's really uh, really interesting casting. I think Corinthian also mentions that the. Uh, the tools of dream have kept um, Ethel Cripps young, and it's interesting having uh, David Thewlis being a similar age actor as uh, Jolie Richardson. He's not he's not significantly older or significantly younger, so uh, so you're kind of seeing that the two of them look around the same age, even though uh, that's his mother uh, from, yeah. yep. from Roderick Burgess. Um, I loved his line about uh, about um, when. I loved his line when she asks how John D is, and he goes, "I'm slightly bored, highly medicated <laughs> in my prison." Uh, I thought that was a a good description of his boring life uh, being stuck in this location. So, yeah, no, and I, I look, I absolutely love Jodie Richardson. I always have loved her from her or from a higher aspect, and kind of dealing with this kind of craziness since Event uh, Horizon. Oh yes, of course, and yeah. and she was in yeah. Nip Tuck for years as well, wasn't yep. she? Yeah, um, really like Shelley Richardson. So she 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 really does embody that kind of that type of character that is Ethel in this, which is that mm-hmm. kind of strong willed mm-hmm. kind of female empowered woman who yeah. does who won't take crap. Mm-hmm. Um, so and we see this again even with the when like we talked about like the Corinthian just getting. Bl- pulled or destroyed and thrown back to the realm of dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Discombobulated, maybe. That's a good way, yes. Discombobulated <laughs> back to the realm of dreams. Yes. Now, um and I look forward to seeing more kind of throughout the season of her as mm-hmm. she kind of goes in because it depend depends on what or how much they use of Ethel from the comic books. Hmm. Yeah, that that will be interesting to see uh, where the character goes in the season, especially now that we've introduced John D, uh, her son. Now there'll be uh, there's there's lots more to come. Um, one element I wasn't I I found kind of odd in the episode. I loved her pushing Corinthian back to the realm of dreams, but I think that meeting with Lucien and uh, and Corinthian is a bit odd. He escaped the realm of dreams before Morpheus was captured, but. I thought it was kind of odd that they put him back there and then he just kind of walked back out again. Yeah. Um, it felt like, does he have that power to just walk back and forth between the, the realm of dreams? Like Lucian had that conversation with, uh, with Morpheus when he was leaving about giving him a raven because ravens can travel the two, between the two realms really easily. But it seems like, um, Corinthian also has that power without 
They just didn't give any explanation for it in the episode as to why he's able to just walk out the front door. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, guess it's not sealed yet because Morpheus hasn't really restored the exactly. realm Exactly. And I mean, the other dreams and nightmares have left, you know, yeah. in the most part um, to wherever. Mm-hmm. And I guess some of that is to the the real world. In, and that's yeah. why you have the sleepy sickness and, and all mm-hmm. those... Uh, events going on in the real world yeah. and this kind of touched upon in, in the first episode i guess um, it's like the the realm of dreams is now kind of a, a bucket with a hole in it and uh, yeah. and morpheus hasn't plugged that hole yet so yeah uh, they can just come go, come and go as they please so yeah. he's kind of pouring water into that bucket basically i mean i, I, do I want to see more dreams and nightmares though mm-hmm. that yeah. is my thing i'm hoping we, we've been told that all of the inhabitants outside of lucian Mm-hmm. Has kind of disappeared, so I'm hoping we see more throughout the season. Yeah, of well, we've seen Gregory; of... he is a nightmare. It's true, true. You know, Gregory but... and Cain and Abel, but I want to see. I literally like when you start to think. If you remember that first fly through in episode mm-hmm. one, where you start seeing yeah. all the potential, I'm like, okay, well, give me that potential. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. We've yeah. seen we've seen Martin Tenbones. We've seen uh, we've seen Marf Bunkenhead in there as well. Yeah. 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 I mean, what I, I do like from Corinthian effectively reforming in uh, the or outside the gates of of the realm um, is or the kingdom is just when he says to Lucian, you know, he the dream doesn't care about you or i mm-hmm. and you're never going to be able to change him or save him so there's this idea that you know morpheus is this immovable object um mm-hmm. and presence yes. uh, so you know it is almost from corinthian's eyes that the king of dreams is a despotic king here mm-hmm. um and i thought that was quite good as well yes and yeah. in his eyes because he can't really see very well Yes. Well, in his mouth. <laughs> yes. Mouth. In his mouth. Um, yes. And, and, and that's a really interesting point is effectively Corinthian has left because he's lost all respect for Morpheus. He left before Morpheus was captured as well and is going out to, I suppose, create his nightmares on, in the waking world. So, um, so yeah, I think that it wasn't a really interesting discussion. I just felt like they may needed to have nailed a little bit more why he's walking back and forth between the realms when he's been sent back there by this powerful amulet. Uh, is he just going to suddenly appear back in? Uh, in Ethel uh, Cripp's apartment 10 minutes later because he's so easy to be able to move yeah. in and out of the realms. But uh, anyway, it was a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's everything. Anything else uh, from the episode, my my fellow fates? <laughs> uh, very quickly, just the throne room. We we see Morpheus kind of pick up his shattered glass, stained glass and all that type of yeah. thing. So really just looking forward to seeing that kind of pulled together like when he does get his powers back and things like because he will mm-hmm. it's, it's inevitable like it fate <laughs> um so i want to see that pull, being pulled back together because the, the 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 style and the scape and the scope of that shot mm-hmm. was just fantastic yeah it was wasn't it really good really yeah good. really cool uh, nothing else for me for the episode. No, I mean, the, I think the only thing you you touched on it a bit, Chris, um, and it. I, I really enjoyed this episode, and you said you know it was an hour twenty minutes. You know, this this was thirty seven minutes long. I was almost after watching it, I kind of said to to Derek, this felt like episode one point five mm-hmm. in a sense. It it it's still establishing. It's very much still establishing, and yeah. you know, I think it's 
it's important for us. It, it feels important for me to, you know, say to our listeners that, you know, this is still establishing. And I, I guess, you know, um, I, I just wonder whether that will come off as quite slow for people. Again, I think it being dropped all at once means people yeah. can just kind of scoot through. And, and so it, yeah. it becomes more, uh, you know, cinematic in that sense, in mm-hmm. terms of the length of how many episodes that you can watch. But, um, just, you know, if this was released weekly, I, I feel this was kind of, relatively speaking quite short i mean mm-hmm. I, I don't think it it's 37 minutes but it felt like 1.5 and it, it you know parts of it could have been at the end of episode one and then some at the start of episode two uh, yeah. to, to some extent mm-hmm. uh, i really kind of got that sense from this episode and i don't yeah. usually um sort of worry about those kind of things I but I, mean, I, yeah. I i really did kind of get that sense but i still absolutely enjoyed it and i think it is necessary i mean this is an mm-hmm. entire universe that's being introduced yes. and the rules and different places need to be to be looked at yeah. as well a lot needs to be established at this stage so that we can crack on with the storylines as they come in but yeah. you're totally right i think before the show was coming out i was kind of frustrated because i do not like shows that uh, that drop uh, to be binged on, net, on Netflix. I, I, I'm much rather talking about shows on a weekly basis, but if this had been released weekly, there's no way this would be the second episode. There's, there's no way yeah. there would be much more content poured into it. That said, though, the comics came out monthly. These are stories from the comics, yeah. and you would have been waiting an entire month for part of this story, not even the full episode yeah, of yeah. one comic issue. <laughs> the, the actual, I think this story takes place uh, during Preludes and Nocturnes, the, the first volume of the book, and it's I think this is two issues uh, together is is what this episode is. So you would have had only half of the story, waited a month, and then had the other half of the story. I'm I'm not, you know, there's still content here. I'm not not having a go that it's content light. It's just, you know, it's necessary to have this Mm -hmm. kind of foundation put in at at the start of, of this series. Yep, yep. But lots to crack on with as the scene goes on. Agreed. And I think that will, will, we're, Discuss as it gets closer to the mid season and kind of end of season whether whether some of the the choices were right choices. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, it's a ten episode season, dropping in one day, so it's going to be interesting to see it, again whether the Netflix model versus the Disney Plus kind of short old school weekly model, mm-hmm. which is kind of working best at this point. Yeah. Um, but that is a discussion for a different day. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, Chris, what did you think of Sandman Chapter 2 in Perfect Hosts? Um, it was fantastic. It was a, a great host, if you will. <laughs> um, I enjoyed what it was. I enjoyed what it was for what it was in the overall scheme of the narrative. Yeah. Um, it, it delivered more exposition and much like Lucian being it could have moved towards Basel exposition and kind of just explained more types of things about like just for the sake of having to explain it it was all delivered in a way that it was enjoyment it was fun it was a a, a nice 35 minute kind of jaunt um it could have been part of episode one and episode three um, partially, but mm-hmm. I think for what it was, the introduction to Cain and Abel, the, the, the introduction of the fates, uh, and just some of the visuals alone, 
it was just fun to have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, I agree with you. I think as as uh, someone who's been reading the comics for years, seeing these episodes with characters I really like and spending time with them and giving them their own little moments, you know, I think uh, Lucian in the first episode didn't get enough time for me on screen. Um, a really important character, so giving her moments in here so you can see her personality much more was really important so so that character can carry through the yeah. season. Um, seeing Cain and Abel, because just the concept of the two of them, uh, of Cain killing Abel at the drop of a hat, I think is a, a really fun, in a way, it's quite dark, but a really fun concept to introduce in here, having the introduction of uh, of Goldie and the loss of Gregory in here, de- both dealt with really well. Uh, jumping off the page onto, onto the screen were really good. And then Corinthian versus Ethel Cripps, I think is a really good uh, a really good moment that we that's that's for the show here. I thought that was that was really good. I love the presence of of keeping Corinthian involved in this story and him effectively looking for ways to stay on Earth, and that's that's been a really good addition to the story. But uh, but yes, um, as exactly as you said, John, there's a limited amount in this episode. But I think as a fan, I'm really happy of how they've translated it and put it on screen in this way. We don't always get that when we see our our yeah. adaptations on on uh, onto TV shows. So uh, so really good. And there's another episode to watch immediately afterwards, which is always great. How about yourself, John? What do you think of the episode overall? Yeah, I really like this. I'd give it four red hot poker face, my poker <laughs> face out of five, irrespective of what I'm saying about the episode length mm-hmm. and so on. I, this had a lot of content. I, I love seeing the, the Morpheus, um, getting to know him more and, and, and his, 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 his mission now, uh, and him with, with Lucienne, really important. I, I loved having Corinthian and Ethel Cripps in, in her apartment. I just thought that was really creepy, mm-hmm. tense. I think it worked really, really well. Uh, there's some visualizations here that I just absolutely loved. And um, whether it was from the Corinthian sort of breaking apart and reforming in, um, in the realm of dreams mm-hmm. to sort of the, the, the whole sea of dreams and, and the fates. Yes. Again, love seeing the fates, love seeing Cain and Abel, uh, all these lovely little snippets here um and of course just having that connection back to the first episode with ethel and then the 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 boy born of uh roderick burgess and ethel Mm -hmm. uh being revealed here in you know the hospital prison effectively Mm -hmm. or highly secure uh hospital ward johnny is kind of nicely creepy and played really well by david thulis yeah, here yeah. Uh, so yep this would be four red hot poker faces out of five yes yes i'm just trying to remember chris uh you might be able to to uh help me on this one john d is held in arkham asylum in the comics isn't he yeah so this is a representation of arkham asylum. they don't give the name but i think that's where john d is because there's a lot more connections to the dc comic universe when it was being when sandman was first coming out there's characters like martian manhunter are in uh, are in the comic book they'll get rid of all of those we won't see those characters in, in the, the show the sandman was another uh dc character from the 50s a completely forgotten character by the time neil gaiman got his hands on him but um uh, but the there are some major characters we i think we even see batman and robin in there uh, but uh john d was in arkham asylum so this uh this place that he's in this uh this uh, prison or hospital that he's in is 
this world's version of Arkham, basically. Do you think we'll end up getting like a flash of Aquaman or Ezra nope. Miller just zooming by? <laughs> Definitely not. No. Ezra Miller with cops just following him. <laughs> uh, yeah, Aquaman in the Sea of Dreams getting yeah, exactly. yeah, scared, uh, scared to death. Yeah. Well, that's actually what, that's a good way. You could just literally, that's what fish are kind of dreaming about. Yeah. They just have this man screaming yeah. at them, telling yeah. them what to do. I think it always felt really weird when you're reading those early comic books to see other major DC characters in Sandman. I always thought it would, it, it, it felt really strange connection and they did get rid of that for the most part as the as the books went on. But um, I, I wonder if the show was on HBO Max. It's made by Warner Brothers, of course, so it could have gone to HBO Max where all the rest of the DC content is. I wonder if it was over there. Would you have seen a crossover with another DC Comics character? Well, and I guess they're going to do the crossovers that make sense and I guess maybe are a little bit more subtle, like with the Constantine character, you know, yeah. like with Cain and Abel. I mean, you, you could not say that it's given any kind of great screen time, but, you you know, you could envision... Uh, the swamp thing in, in in this as some form of nightmare for someone, yeah. you know, just but not having scenes of, of dialogue and all that, just yeah. that they'd be walking around uh, the realm once it's repaired, right? And, kind of, or, or, you know, or something like kind that. of like Ready Player One, basically for yeah. dreams and nightmares. Yeah, yeah. I, think, <laughs> I think there's yeah. a way of doing it in that way that doesn't, as such, um, you know, make it weird feeling like like you say yeah yeah uh, and i'm glad they're doing it this way we'll probably talk about joanna constantine in, in the next episode uh a bit more as well uh because the next episode chapter three is dream a little dream of me looking forward to, to talking about that next time we're back thanks so much for joining us for our discussion about uh the sandman chapter two and perfect toasts yes thank you so much and i will not sing you out with dream a little dream of me no Definitely not. But if you want to send in any of your thoughts uh, for any of the episodes of The Sandman, please email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com uh, or pop over over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. There are, I think, seven so far spoiler posts up on uh, up on the Facebook group uh, where you can pop in your thoughts about each of the individual episodes uh, as you go through them. So uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts over there as well. Yes, and if you enjoyed what you've heard and this little discussion that we have, why not head on over to patreon.com slash TV podcast industries where you too can help support this little wee little podcast in the endless sea of dreams uh, but on a for any monthly amount uh, on an ongoing basis or if you want to do a one-off donation you can head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash tvpi where you can help our illustrious editor stay awake and to stay away from the land of dreams as he toils <laughs> away into the wee hours of the night editing these podcasts for yes. your audio pleasure that's really important because if I fall asleep uh, for even a second, I may leave in something that I shouldn't be leaving. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Probably a pronunciation of Constantine or Constantine. <laughs> exactly. Um, but fellow dreamers, we will be back next time for our discussion of the Sandman Chapter 3. Dream a little dream of me. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you again next time. Yeah, thanks so much, fellow dreamers, for joining us. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep dreaming. Bye. Bye.